And we're live. So my name is Jordan Mullins, and uh, I have a guest star on the show, uh, Mr. Scott, Dr. Scott Boswell from uh, Salina Regional over here. He is a, a doctor um, in neurosurgery, so he's always doing the complex surgeries on everybody. Um, and basically what we're going to be looking at today is music therapy and Huntington's disease. So first what I want to do is uh, give you guys a definition of what Huntington's disease is. Um, it's basically an autosomal dominant trait that we see um, that carries a CAG repeat on the Huntington gene. Um, and so what I'm going to do is have Scott kind of explain what's going on there and try to put it in as simple terms as possible for us. So everyone, my name is Scott Boswell. I'm a board-certified neurosurgeon. I live in Salina, Kansas. Um, I've been in practice for about five years now. Um, Huntington's disease is a neurodegenerative process, meaning um, as we age and degeneration happens to the brain, the symptoms become more and more apparent and more, more and more severe um, as, they, as, as patients age. The process tends to affect much of the brain, or most of the brain, if you will, although it does tend to focus on different anatomical locations of the brain. The um, disease, because it affects so many different parts of the brain, it can symptomatically, meaning that from a symptom standpoint, it can manifest in a lot of different ways. The most common way probably would be a movement disorder called chorea, where people get spontaneous jerking movements of their extremities or, or face. But the other problem that affects people's lives maybe even more would be more of the executive function, meaning things like memory um, and the psychiatric function. There's a lot of psychiatric diseases that that come with Huntington's, things like depression, anxiety, and those kinds of, of symptoms. So it is a triplet repeat, meaning, it, and it's autosomal dominant, meaning if you have the gene, there's a, um, it will get passed on to your offspring. The question becomes is that it will, or, excuse me, it will, 50% of the time, depending on, on how it is, it will be, get passed on to your offspring. The question becomes is it's not um, manifested. There's incom incomplete penetrance, meaning it, not everybody gets the same disease, the same severity of the disease or the same manifestations. It'll, it'll manifest in a lot of different, a lot of different ways. Right. Is that a pretty good summary, yeah, Jordan? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so basically what we were looking at today, we we looked at, at five different studies. Um, three of them were more um, case studies and then we looked, we looked more at a randomized control trial, and then we looked at another one that it was a case study as well that, that looked more at gait. And uh, so that, that's what we really wanted to see. These, these four studies looked more into um, everyday, um, just, just benefiting the patient in, in their everyday things that they'll go through, through communication, through psychological behavior. And so what they did in some of these studies was they basically took um, – a group of people and they, they placed them into um, a music therapy session where they would go and they would see a therapist for so many days a week for so for so long 
and then they compared it to more of a recreational therapy group that would be doing more puzzles, more their everyday life. And these guys wouldn't wouldn't go into any musical therapy um, outside of that. They they allowed them to listen to music if they normally do, but outside of that, they didn't really look. And so, what we found um, more in these pilot studies that were a little bit smaller, um, they all kind of found the same thing, and they 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 looked at um, these clinical trials and they put them through the music therapy and. And typically what they were finding is that there was no significant difference from putting somebody um, through a music therapy setting rather than a recreational setting. So they didn't see any stimulation or psychiatrical um, changes or communication changes that were so drastic that they felt the need to implement music therapy over recreational therapy. Is that, is that correct for what for what we're looking for, at? Yeah, for, in, a, in a general summary of, the, what a, of these research papers... In the some of the pilot studies looked at functional MRIs and objective criteria to look at some of the pathways and so look at some of the anatomy and see how those were changed with the musical therapy and the and the um, rhythmic therapy to see if it if it anatomically changed because these are all pilot studies you're you're trying to find you're trying to throw out ideas to see if any of them if there's any validity to them right and then and basically the way that they measured this too is they they took these cognitive tests and and all three of them and they and they would score such a level um and then after these studies were done they would do that same test and they would see if there was any significant advancements um cognitively between the two groups so and then then we moved on um and and we have more of a randomized control trial that we thought was for the most part the, the best put together one that we saw um just with it being randomized and with it being controlled it was it was a lot bigger group of people um so you can safely say that this was a little bit more effective of a study but the same thing this the, the one that we have here by uh, van bruggen rufi was they did the same same structure to it. They they took a functional capacity test before, and they they took it after. They they went through, I believe it was a sixteen week study, where they, they again they did more of the music therapy compared to the recreational therapy, and this this group also found that there was not that drastic of a change between the scores of the two. Their their TFCs were the same, um, so the quality for life they didn't find much of a difference. So. As I was going through those, I kind of I was kind of getting the idea that there really wasn't a, a huge difference on, in any sort of music therapy, and and cognitive um, changes with their communication um, and everyday lifestyle. But one thing that I also wanted to look at with how Huntington's, like Scott said, does carry uh, more of a sign of Korea. I wanted to look into their motor and their gait function with music therapy because of music having a rhythm to it. I wanted to see if, if any sort of that rhythm would translate to the person with Huntington's disease to see if they got any better. And so I had one study that I looked at with it, and it was um, through, through Colorado State University. One, one of the guys out there did it, and uh, it, was, it was the same. It was more of a, a controlled study, and they, they basically put them through a, a set of weeks of, of therapy through playing an instrument or singing or whatever they were comfortable with, and again, they unfortunately came to the end of it, and what we saw was there was not a significant difference um, in gait function compared to a normal physical therapy um, route that they would take. So um, 
I don't have as much of an expertise in this area, but I wanted to see if Scott had any idea why yeah. why there wouldn't be because because we have seen that music therapy can stimulate the brain more than your normal therapeutic modalities. So why do you think that these yeah. weren't quite as effective? But let's talk about a couple of this. So first of all, so the the randomized control study. This I mean, randomized control studies are always they're they're the the golden goose of all studies because um, they have the least amount of bias. You know, the, the pilot studies, the case studies, the case reports, they, they can all introduce bias. So the randomized control study was the one that, that really carried the most weight because of the least amount of bias. And like Jordan said, that's it's unfortunate in the sense that it didn't show a lot of... Um, so the study that he had of, out, of, out of the Netherlands didn't show a lot of um, executive improvements, uh, communication improvements, or anything like that. Now, it did not study the movement, the movement disorder, either the chorea or the gait that can be affected by Huntington's. And so that wasn't studied. So even though it was disheartening about the executive function, it's there's still certainly more research to be done out there to see if there is um, any improvement in, in the gait itself. Why it didn't stimulate and, and improve the Huntington's function, I don't have a great answer to that. There's been other um, studies that have been, that have shown that in in chronic neurodegenerative problems or even in developmental in the development of the of cognition that music plays a significant role in that. Um, even the study that he had out of Colorado State did show, like in people who have had stroke and those kinds of things, it talked about some of the improvement that music therapy can have in that. So why it, it doesn't in, in Huntington's, there's not, there's not a lot of great answers to that. It, um, you know, the, there's a lot you could theorize about a lot of different things. You know, it could be the fact that um, the that Huntington's affects the caudate so drastically. Um, or some could, of the white matter tracks. You could also look um, a little bit. Do you think that brain plasticity would also play a role? Because typically we're seeing Huntington's disease a little bit later stages of life. Typically we're looking at the 40s and 50s is when people sure. really get an onset of it. And um, a lot of the times we see uh, music there or music in general having a huge effect on our younger generations because of how plastic their brains are. Um, and we've even talked about in this class how sometimes... Um, or a lot of the times we can actually see a better recovery for children who go through brain damage because of how plastic their brains are compared to older. Absolutely. So, so do we think that that might, the, the lack of brain, the, uh, uh, plasticity in the brain playing a role with this? Absolutely. I think that that plays a huge role, plays a significant role. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, and because Huntington's is a, is a neurodegenerative process. So you're right. It does affect people's, I mean, in the elderly, and and I'm sure you pro you guys probably talked about many many different studies out there that have shown that that especially in development how how music positively Plays a affects huge role yeah and development of the brain right right so well we we covered those studies pretty well and we had a pretty short time span to do it we crunched as much in as we could and tried to give you guys a pretty good grasp of what we were looking at and we hope that we. Uh, Gave you guys that, so do you have any closing thoughts for them? No, thank you guys very much for letting me participate in this. Keep up the good work. Keep keep doing research and trying to make people's lives better. Appreciate you for, for being on here. No problem, Jordan Mullins. We'll talk to so, you guys later.